Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You are listening to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, an independent podcast brought to you by MissedApex.net. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. Also, check out the links below where you will get links to the written articles from our new team of writers, where you can get previews to the Mercedes season and the Red Bull season, as well as our written testing review. I'm your host, Richard Spanners ready and we are so close to Formula One I can taste it with my eyes and to get a rundown and a view inside the F1 paddock let's bring on a man who has been to every Grand Prix since 1988 it's Joe Sayward thanks for joining us Joe good evening have you unmuted me I have I've done all the correct things today very successful okay well yes hello everybody I'm back I'm here and I'm about to leave, actually, because I have to get in an aeroplane tomorrow. Yes, I'm glad we caught you before you left. I was about to say, Joe, you do two things fantastically. A, bust my chops on Mr. Apex podcast. And secondly, uh, you love to focus quite a lot on the business and politics side of Formula One. And, and I do wonder with you, you, you get so into inside the paddock. You love talking to the team bosses, getting into things like um, upcoming tracks and the business affairs around that. What do you enjoy more, the the racing side of Formula One or that kind of business and politics side? Uh, I like them both. I wouldn't. I mean, it, if it's just doing the politics and business, you wouldn't travel around the world and watch these people. It, it's um, Formula One is is a bit of everything. The people are the thing that that I love most of all, and uh, I think the best way of describing it is. It was true when I first did it, and how many years later it's still true, which is I ran off and joined the circus. Every kid's a dream. And I'm in the circus, and uh, I'm surrounded by sometimes a bunch of clowns, entertainers, a few high-wire acts, and um, it is, it's just, it's my life, and 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 I love it. 
and I wouldn't do anything else. And somebody asked me, someone said, why are you bother? You know, there's no point in going to the races anymore. You can't get any access. And I, and my reply was, well, if you're not there, where are you? You're in a bedroom like a blogger. You know, it's not, it's not any use to you. So I'd rather be there. And uh, the other point is that if we don't go there and tell people, oi, we're here, they'll, they'll actually not let us in again in the future. So they'll say, yeah. these, uh, these journalists don't care anymore. They're all quite happy with syndicated rubbish uh, on the internet. So we won't give it back. So one or two of us have to go there and bang on the windows and sort of say, oi, we want to come in again. And um, that's what I'm doing. Well, firstly, hello to all the bloggers out there listening. You keep up the good work and chase that dream. It's as much your dream as anyone else's. But of course, last season, all of you F1 journalists struggled to get access to the paddock. Do you think that's going to continue this year or, you know, or what? I know it's going to continue this year. Um, I've had um, one of my other things that I do is I'm on the... um, FIA media working group and we discussed this at length and the the reality of it is that we're getting right now we have no more access than we did last year and uh which is fine up to a point I understand the logic behind it but then I watched um Drive to Survive Mm -hmm. and saw, saw all the interactions going on last year and I thought well hang on a minute this isn't the bubbles we're all supposed to live in everybody's up each other's trouser legs all the time. I mean, it's just it's just bonkers. So um, one of the discussions I shall have when I'm in Bahrain with the people I'm allowed to have discussions with is why aren't we allowed in? If all these people are allowed to do all these things we've seen on TV, um, I think we should be allowed to too. So, some, you know, we have to fight this battle because if we don't, they will. someone will take advantage of the fact that there's no media here. We don't want media. They're difficult, they're smelly, they get in the way, you know, this kind of stuff. But don't they they recognise that you guys are, are basically our portals into Formula One? Like, I know with, with your fan base in no, particular, No, of course they don't. Everything's telly. They only understand telly. They only understand talking heads. But a they lot don't of... understand written word, because written word involves a long read. You know, I've, I read that all the time. On the internet, this is a long read. It's got twelve words, you know. TLDR, um, yeah, yeah. I, well, that's the way. Unfortunately, that seems to be the way things are going. I, I feel a bit, a little bit like a blacksmith um, in the automobile era, a um, hundred years ago, when cars first started arriving, um, and people just don't seem to want to read anymore. And which is terribly sad because we'll end up fighting wars and all kinds of stuff because if you don't read, you won't understand and you'll elect morons. Um, I don't, I'm not suggesting for any one minute that we might have had some examples of that around the world, but um, there might be one or two of those. Thankfully, I have no strong opinions on that subject one way or the other. Uh, but speaking of your, your sort of colleagues in, in, in journalism, a lot of them have a strong readership. Motorsport.com have a strong readership. WTF1 do. However, you've actually built up a, a fan base, Joe, in that there are people who won't accept something is true until they've heard it from Joe Sayward as part of your blog and they hear it from your blog, that they'll believe it or they'll give it more weight. From Formula One's point of view, don't, don't they appreciate that that conduit to F1 
is in danger of being dissolved because there, there's other Joe Saywoods around the world. You know, you've got a German equivalent, I'm sure, and a Dutch equivalent. F1 surely not just laissez-faire. Um, I, to be quite honest, I don't know. Um, I'm a little bit worried about the way things are going because I honestly do think that we are moving in the in a direction where the written word has less impact than it did before. Um, and it's not so much that. It's also the fact that um, people seem to read about, you know, they, they like headlines. But anything more than a headline, they feel tired, you know. <laughs> so um, I'm serious. I'm not I'm not actually joking. You know, you know when people – I get people saying, oh, you wrote a thousand words. Well, that's what it took to explain something. It's not a lot. A thousand words is not a lot of words. You know, you can say that on TV in about three minutes. Um, but they don't seem to get it. And I, I find that rather alarming, I have to say. Well, so I um, think podcasts, we'll podcasts yeah. are the future, Joe, clearly. Uh, but hmm? it must have, been, must have been frustrating to see Drive to Survive get the access they did. However, I'll be interested to get your opinion on the final product. I think I think we acknowledge as people who have been watching F1 for a long time and we've been covering it here in the shed for the last seven years that maybe it's not aimed at us, but it was still a, a visual spectacular. It, it was dramatic. It was well put together. Yeah, well, that's, that's a number of different claims there. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't for one minute doubt it's good for Formula One. I think it's terrific for Formula One because it brings in a new audience, and particularly in Netflix land, uh, which is America. And uh, Netflix is big or becoming bigger around the world, but Netflix is biggest of all in America. And that's why we have that show. It's to interest people in Formula One. And it's working. Now, is it a good representation of Formula One? Is it a good selection of storylines? Is it telling the reality? Uh, and we don't have to be, I don't think we need to be F1 nerds, you know, oh no, it didn't have the races in the right order. You know, this kind of stuff is not necessarily a problem, but I just felt, I, I felt that the whole thing was disjointed and how you can leave out the story of George Russell or Williams leaving Formula One or Hulkenberg. And and how you can play up Lance Stroll. Okay, he comes from Canada. But Lance Stroll is never going to be world champion. Sorry, Lawrence. Sorry to ruin your day. But Lance is never going to be a world champion. Mm -hmm. And um because he's he doesn't have the hunger. He's too rich. He might have some talent, but any great driver alongside him is going to beat him. And you know, we spent endless amounts of time looking at Lance Stroll. And, and and I'm just thinking, why am I doing this? I'd rather look at George Russell. Okay, so Joe, I upset a few people because I said much the same as you. And I've noticed everywhere across media, this kind of big PR push behind bigging up uh, the Stroll project. I, I, I feel like I'm being gaslit into accepting that Stroll is the next coming of Senna, quite honestly, right now. Well, he's not. I can tell you that for free. I, I got more time for Mazepin than I have for Stroll in terms of talent. Let's 
get that straight. Otherwise, we'll all get crucified, won't we? Thanks, Because you're not allowed to say Mazepin without being crucified. Um, I think the... the <laughs> I mean, I watched the the Aston Martin launch the other day. Yes. And as much as I love Jenna Arterton, who's lovely, and Daniel Craig, who's a very good James Bond, and and all the rest of it, and I'm thinking, this massive playing up of of the great heritage and history of Aston Martin. Aston Martin in Formula One was a total unmitigated disaster. Okay, my memory doesn't go back that far. Nor, nor does mine, but I have the ability to read a thousand words and, and know that in history, Aston Martin was a disaster in Formula One. They were they were decent at Le Mans. But, you know, I, I, all this PR bloody blah about the heritage of Formula One of Aston Martin, there is no heritage of Aston Martin in Formula One worth remembering. So... What you've got is a racing point painted green, a nice green, maybe. Yeah. But <laughs> let's keep it real, shall we? Let's keep it real. And Sebastian Vettel is past his best. Maybe he will come back and not look quite as bad as he did last year. And as much as I love Sebastian, I think he's terrific. Um, he made far too many mistakes. Maybe in the circumstances of the year ahead, he will feel less under pressure and he will perform better. But, you know, I think there's a lot of hype going on and and I fear that it will go wrong if they overhype it. So just keep things at a sensible level. And it's a bit like uh, all the hype going on at the moment about Red Bull's well ahead of Mercedes. Mercedes-Benz have won seven world championships and the cars are not that different. Yes, there's a certain amount of aerodynamic fiddly bits going on. But you think that Mercedes-Benz is going to get blown away after seven years winning world championships just because there's some fiddly aero bits that they haven't quite got right yet. You are mad if you're thinking that. Um, Max Verstappen is great. Sergio Perez is good, although under pressure he can sometimes get a bit wild. Boo. Um, Which he may well be under pressure. Um, because he has to face, like everybody else who's ever been in a second, uh, <laughs> or of late have been in a second Red Bull, they have to face the fact that Max is really rather good. And that also they have to face the fact that Red Bull is fundamentally, and sorry, Red Bull fans, and sorry, Christians, sorry, Helmet, but it's a one-car team. And, um, you know, they have to face this these kind of facts. So, Wow. Okay. I, I think. I think I think we'll have a decent Formula One season, but I don't think that Red Bull's going to run away with the World Championship, and I don't think Ferrari's going to win it either. Sadly, Red fans, there's only so much recovery you can make from when you're that deeply in the cack. Wow. Wow. You've come out swinging. <laughs> You've come out swinging this evening, Joe, and it's fantastic to know you're in such a fine and boisterous mood before the start of the season. And that has been observed by our live chat room. Hello, live chat room. You can join us live, by the way. You can search for Missed Apex Podcast on YouTube. There's a little chat box so you can see our faces and chat along as we record the show. We get the finished episode out to you in video and audio by the morning. Go to www.mistapex.net to find all our episodes. Lucas in the chat room there has suggested that the Williams family asked not to be included in the show. And and also, did, did they not have to decide beforehand 
which shows Drive to Survive were going to to cover. So that might mitigate some of that. No, I don't agree with that at all. They had they had enormous amounts of access, perhaps not quite as much as before. Um, and maybe the Williams family said, we don't want to be included. Well, tough. You know, they wanted to be included last week. And um, you, if you're trying to tell the story of what uh, Formula One's about, you have to tell the story of what Formula One's about, not just the people who want to be in it. You know, I don't want to see endless Zach Browns and endless Christian Horners. I'd rather see everybody, um, uh, well, up to a point, because there's one or two who really annoy me when they open their mouths. Which one's Joe? Not good. Well, Cyril Abedable. bloke with a. No, 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 I love Cyril, but he's gone. <laughs> okay. um, the, the bloke with a silly haircut just drives me bonkers, I'm afraid. Um, red, silly haircut, you'll get there in the end. Oh, okay. Um, I just. I'm sorry, but the self-righteous bull is the only word of Ferrari last year in that series. We weren't found to be illegal. No, they weren't found to be illegal, but nor were they found to be legal, you know. And why did you agree to a secret deal that made you the worst team in the history of Ferrari since 1980? Oh, gosh, can't think of that. I mean, it's just I, I, I can't stand it. The man, the man should just be, as far as I'm concerned, he should go away and shut up and hide in a corner. If he wants to keep his job, it's a really good idea to hide in the corner. But he, you know, he just keeps coming out with a silly hairdo, silly glasses, and a load of old tosh about why Ferrari is 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 so fabulous and terrific, and they're not. They were rubbish last year. They will not be good this year. They might be a bit better. But if I were the Ferrari CEO, brackets, which they don't have one because the last one wisely quit, um, <laughs> when the new one comes in, they're going to say, well, why are we in this mess we're in in Formula One? And who's to blame for it? At least if they're a half-decent CEO, they will say that. And then eventually somebody's going to have to say, who, who got us into this mess? And when they do that, there is one name that will leap in front of them. And Ferrari has a long tradition of shooting the person whose name leaps up when things mess up. Metaphorically. But at the moment, they've got... Meta, no, no. At the, moment, at the moment, they've got this belief that stability is okay and great and wonderful. Stability will win them everything. Stability is only good if you've got the right people. If you've got the wrong people, stability is bad. So it's just an opinion. It's my own opinion. And, you know, who got them into the mess? The perfect man to get them out of the mess. Yep. So uh, to anyone finding Miss Apex for the first time, welcome. Hope you'll join <laughs> us for the season. I'd love to tell you that Joe's not always like this, but Joe is always like this. And uh, we are so lucky here at Miss Apex Podcast to have Joe come and join us about once, once a month at the moment, Joe, and also doing a regular live audiences because in the before time joe before races around the world would would gather up a, a forum of people and you could pay a small entry fee come and have some steak and some beer and listen to joe and answer and listen to joe answer your questions so the topics would be led by the audience joe's been recreating that in virtual form with a handsome and talented uh, mc 
helping him along the way over Zoom. Uh, so you can attend uh, those virtual audiences as well. Go to mistapexpodcast.com forward slash Joe and you can see the details of how you can buy a ticket for his next live audience, which I believe is Thursday, April 1st, uh, April Fool's Day, where Joe is even more Joe than he is on the show. And he's pretty Joe on the show. So full Joe, mistapexpodcast.com forward slash Joe. Uh, now we've touched on uh, Russell and Williams there. You wanted to hear about about um, about those guys in the Drive to Survive series. But George Russell has been made the GPDA director instead of Roman Grosjean. And to me, that feels very much like like the school prefect. You know, he's got the school prefect badge now. And it does seem like he he is that kind of character. He's proactive. He wants his opinions heard. He He's basically a nerd. If he was at my school, we'd be bullying him. We'd be saying, look at him. He's trying hard. But he seems suited for the role. <laughs> uh, I don't know about... Well, to be honest, the G... Uh, the GPDA has never been a, a massive um, thing for me because they never agree with each other more than 10 minutes at a time. But um, I think that George is, George is a really good operator. He's, he's a fundamentally good bloke and he is quick, quick, quick. And I just felt he was badly treated given what he did stepping in for Lewis. The other thing is, you know, just little things like they make a big fuss at the end of the season about the Red Bull victory. And here we are, we, you know, we've worked all year long to beat Mercedes. And here we are, we've beaten them, aren't we wonderful? Well, yeah, that's true. But Lewis Hamilton was you know, basically climbed off a stretcher to get in the car. He wasn't well. You could see he wasn't well. He should never have been there. But I guess Lewis was a little bit worried how quick George was. <laughs> Fair um, and got and got well quite quick, um, but you know it's there. There were just so many things about it that it weren't fair more than anything else. I don't mind them telling stories and bending bending storylines to fit their so proper things, but there were just things that weren't fair and weren't right. And you know, Hulkenberg didn't exist last year. Did you know that? COVID nineteen barely existed. If you if you if you watch Drive to Survive, honestly, apart from the first the first of the ten episodes, were you really aware of it being different to anything else? Was it a weird feeling? Did they point out the fact the grandstands were empty? I liked that though, Joe. Was it en- I liked no, it. No, no, but but be, be that as it may, it wasn't a, a, a it wasn't an honest representation of what Formula One in twenty twenty was the most extraordinary year of Formula One that I've ever been to, and I've done a couple of years, and it was because it was so weird and so different, and and here they are making into something that was fundamentally the same as every other year because it suited their purpose to to not play up COVID because no, you know, who wants to watch stuff about COVID, but that's not the point. The point is it was a weird and wacky, crazy year, but for different reasons that they made it out to be. And then, and some of their storylines were just endlessly um, manufactured, to be honest. Well, I liked it. I say, well done. I didn't say, I didn't say I didn't like it. That's the whole point. The point is that, we're talking about things that you have to look at it from different levels. 
you have to look at it from whether it's good for Formula One. Yes, of course it's good for Formula One because it goes into a market, blah, 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 blah. Is it the truth? Ah, well, that's another story. Is it something that Formula One proper fans will like? Answer, no, most of them didn't particularly like it because it didn't. It was just very disjointed. It was so poppery. It was all these things. So you can't please everybody. Um, and I'm not suggesting they have to please everybody, but I just felt they missed the opportunity of I would have done it very differently. Now, I'm not the editor of Netflix, and I don't suppose I ever will be, but I would have argued for different things because I thought they didn't use the um, raw material, which is was fantastic. The raw, There was tons of raw material, and they used some stuff that I wouldn't have used, that's all. Yep, fair enough. But um, as we were taught in the military, uh, never let the truth get in the way of a good story, Joe. Come on, you know better than that. I've got uh, some questions for you that were provided by listeners. And the first, <laughs> the first if question... If there's anything that annoys me, by the way, Spanners, it's never let the truth get in the way of a good story. <laughs> that Come really, on. really, really grinds on my nerves. Wrong thing to say to a journalist, perhaps. Well, yes, that's true. Although, to be honest, nowadays it's not necessarily always true. Anyway, go on. I've yeah. got a question here. I've got a question about liveries, Joe. I don't know how into liveries you are, but this question is from Sean Bull, and he DM'd me to say, could you ask Joe what he thought of the liveries and which livery did he think was the best one, uh, bearing in mind that he is part of the graphic design team at uh, Alpine F1? What did you think, Joe? Um, Alpine, I like very much. It looks super in the sunlight. Let's hope we get a lot of sunlight this year. Uh, but it is—it's a lovely—it's a lovely, lovely um, livery, I suppose, is the word I'm looking for. Red Bull looks exactly the same as Red Bull always does, so it's fundamentally dull. Mercedes is nice. I like that. Um, the silver bit at the back looks kind of sexy. Um, let's hope the car's sexy. Uh, the Alpha Tori was great last year, is the same this year, and was rapidly heading in the direction of Red Bull, which means it'll be boring every year from now on. Um, Williams, I like very much. It looks really good. And in fact, it looks better. Um, the, more you, the more you blow it up and look at it closely, it really is very clever and very good um, livery. Uh, Ferrari is... Wake me up at the end. Um, <laughs> but at least you know what car it is. Uh, who else is there in the in the pack these days? I've forgotten them all. Um, <laughs> oh, you've covered the best ones, I suppose. Um, it's the, the Aston Martin one. Aston Martin. Aston Martin is interesting because I think it probably works in full sunlight. But I was when I was putting together Grand Prix Plus magazine this week, I really struggled to find good pictures of it because – the testing uh, weather was not great. It doesn't look good without full sunlight. I think when when the sun goes on that car, it will look really cool. But if we have a lot of grey races, it's going to look like a sort of um, slab of granite driving around, to be honest. It's it, too dark, the green. But the thing uh, is, you know, if the sunlight's there, I think... In, hmm? testing, in testing, it looked very similar to the Mercedes livery just because of the way the light came off it. And I'm sure a lot of people will be wondering 
whether they've recreated what they did last season or were accused of doing, which was heavily leaning on the previous year's Mercedes. So 2020 Racing Point was accused of being a copy of the 2019 Mercedes Patronus car. It wasn't accused accused of being, it was. Okay, well, in that case... It was was a reverse-engineered Mercedes from 2019. It's not against the rules. And guess what? Next year's car is going to be based on last year's car because you're not allowed to change the chassis unless you happen to be McLaren. But um, it's going to be very similar. Now, they'll go a different route in their development of what they had down the path they think is best. But fundamentally, you're starting from the same starting point. Um, So... You know, they they made their leap forward. It's very clever. You've got to take your hat off to them. They reverse engineered a Mercedes. It wasn't against the rules. And they got away with it. So, interestingly enough, the FIA has slightly changed the rules so that people can't do it again. Um, And in a way, I kind of uh, think that's right because I don't think reverse engineering like that is particularly fair or right, but it is clever. So, you know, um, you can't, you know, they saw a way of doing it and got away with it and good for them. So can I clarify the situation then that they find themselves in? So they're essentially still having to run off a platform based off of a 2019 Mercedes. So if, if Mercedes took a leap in 2020, Aston Martin haven't been able to just also echo that leap they've had to just go from the 2019 baseline are they in danger this year of sort of being fundamentally behind the curve and losing some of that progress now not really because well it depends it it depends on a number of things because fundamentally the chassis the monocoque has to be the same this was agreed the only exception to that was mclaren was allowed to change certain things because they had a new engine. They're the only team that changed engines. That was decided in advance of the decision to freeze development to save money. So um, they had to make allowances for McLaren. You know, you can't necessarily easily stick a different engine on the back. But fundamentally, uh, maybe 60% of the car is the same. Of every car is the same. Okay. Now, the aerodynamics are different because the FIA made some changes to to reduce um, the downforce because of the tyre failures we saw happening at Silverstone last summer or last autumn. I can't remember when Silverstone was now. Summer, I think. Um, actually, it was really weird last year because all the races were in the wrong places, so yeah. everything is a bit confused when you sort of add memories to it. Yeah, we've been at Bahrain um, forever now, haven't we? So it, it does feel that way a little bit. Um, so, you know, a lot of decisions were made based on the fact that we've got to save Formula One. And that was the right thing to do. But it does mean that fundamentally, uh, the cars are not going to be, they will be different. But fundamentally, they're pretty much the same. So you would think that the pecking order is not going to change a huge amount. Now, the other difference is that Ferrari has managed to produce an engine that has at least a hint of power. Um, although I did notice that 
Um, Gunter Steiner said they'd had a moderate step or medium step forward, not a great step, which is what I'd expect. You know, they were coming from a long, long way back. Um, and the risks you have to take to get to the front are too grand, too grand, too big. Sorry, I'm speaking the wrong language again. Too big um, a risk to take. You've just got to go as far as you think you can because you only get one chance. And if you mess it up this year, because there's only one upgrade a year, if you mess it up, you're really in trouble for the whole season. So if you're Ferrari, you can take some risk because you, you know, you can't do much worse than being the worst season in 40 years, can you? But doesn't mean you're going to be on a par with the front runners. I'm sorry, but that, these are the statistics. These are the realities. Don't have to apologize uh, to like me, Joe. Because... Jeez. <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, Formula One is healthier when Ferrari is doing well. But if Ferrari can't do well, Formula One should not help them do well. It's up to them. They have to do it themselves. I don't buy into that. I don't buy into f- the F1 somehow needs Ferrari to be anything. If they're good enough, they'll be competing. If they're not good enough, psh, enjoy the midfield. That's true, except for one minor point, which is they are the most popular team in the world by a long way. And we have to take that into account. Fine. In that case, do we have to take no, no, into no, a... but it, it but it but no, but but it's like it's like there's a level of dreaming involved in all of this, you know. The fact that Mick Schumacher is driving in Formula One, everyone's expecting him to be Michael. And I'll let you into a little secret here. He's not Michael. No, he's Mick. He has the same name, he's got the same M on the front, but it's not Michael Schumacher. Now, how he will develop, we don't know. But Michael, he is not. So I fully expect that he will be beaten this year by Mazepin. Ooh, hiss. Really? Okay. So, I mean... Yes, I do. I absolutely believe that. Schumacher was the F2 champion, Mazepin was not. Does that count for nothing? Well, Schumacher was driving in the best team um, and has always had the best teams. Mazepin came into Formula 2 in a team that was new to the championship last year. Um, the team won its third or fourth race, fifth race maybe, with Giotto, who's, who's a very, very good driver. And Mazepin beat Giotto as the season went on, which I thought in a new team was very impressive. And that's why I think yeah, watch this guy. The other thing is they've been teammates before. People forget this. People don't know this. They were teammates in karting. Okay. Who Mick won? <laughs> and Mazepin. Ah, well, that's a very interesting question because they they both won and they, they have some respect for one another. You know, there is some ability there. But I think that Mazepin is actually underrated. Because obviously everybody doesn't like him because he's a bad person. Mm-hmm. He comes from Russia. All, he's got all these things against him. He's got a sort of arrogant face and and all the rest of these things you read everywhere. Okay. And then there'll be, I'm just, I'm just telling you, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to see this stuff. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a much maligned figure. And he once had the gall to punch another racing driver, you know, in the old days when James Hunt did it, was it considered acceptable, but not anymore. Anyway, that's all irrelevant. The point is, is he quick? And I know he tested a Mercedes-Benz. I don't know if many people know that or not. He tested a Formula 1 Mercedes, and he was much quicker than they thought. Um, 
And I think it was in 2018 or 19, I can't remember. But he did one test from Mercedes and they were they were pretty impressed by him. Okay. I know you're saying the racing is all that matters, but I reserve the right to, I don't know, win him. No, no, wish the, him... Racing, the racing is what racing drivers are about. The rest of it, yes, you can have your... Um, views on the subject you can have your views on every subject you can have your views about what lewis does off off the racing you can you can you know you can have lots of views on lots of things um and but at the end of the day that's utterly irrelevant in formula one because it's about who goes fastest okay joe can i have a favorite Haas f1 driver can i pick this year yeah yeah no this year can i pick my favorite for this year you can pick your favourite racing driver whenever you like. It's your choice. It's a subjective decision. Mick's a, I, I've got to say, Mick, Mick's a lovely bloke. I'm not saying. I'm not Aye. saying that Mick's a bad person. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that I think that Mazepin will be quicker. Okay. That's all. Well, if you were to ask me who my favourite Haas F1 driver is, I, I would say Mick Schumacher, just for the record. Uh, however, the chat room would like your take, and I think it is actually fascinating. Since we were talking liveries, can we get your hot take on the Haas livery, which I think for a, for a number of reasons is just a massive middle finger up to various governing bodies. I'm curious on your take. No, I don't. Again, I don't agree with that. Because um, the WADA ruling, which didn't actually come into being until either late December or early January, it wasn't, you know, th- this livery was designed before that. Um, interestingly enough, if you watched um, Drive to Survive, there was a scene in which Gunther Steiner went to see a German sponsor and they had this meeting and on the wall there was this um, design for a livery. And uh, it was all there then. That was long before WADA made its decision about you're not allowed to do this, that, or the other. Having said that, the water decision you can't have the flag um it's not a flag it's three colors it can't be on equipment either joe America, that's, that's the ruling yeah it can be the, no no the three colors can be on the uniforms it can be on the equipment but it can't be a flag now Okay, it's a what flag. What is a flag? The definition? Uh, no, no, a definition of a, <laughs> it's no, a, it's flag, not a flag. Joe. What is the definition? No, no. What's the definition of a flag? A flag is a square thing that goes on the end of a pole. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Are you going to stick the house on the end of a pole and pretend it's a flag? No. It's three colours. I can give you ten examples of countries that have the same three colours, as they're including Britain, France, Holland. America, cube, boo, hiss. You know, okay. there's, there, there are, even North Korea has the same colours. So let's just get real here. The fact they've got three colours on a car, which happen to be in the right order, but are not square, not sorry, a coincidence. oblong like it's a not flag, a coincidence, doesn't it, make it a flag. Okay. So for the record, reasonable people can disagree. I, I just want to be clear that I disagree. This is a whole bunch of internet blah, 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 which is retrospective of when the thing was designed. Okay. Good. I mean, it was designed before this ruling came out. And 
obviously being an American team. Why is the Russian Grand Prix going to be called the Russian Grand Prix? It shouldn't be, should it? But it will be. Why? Because no Russian entity owns the name the Russian Grand Prix. <clears throat> it's owned by Formula One Group, Roger. which is an American listed company. So the Russian Grand Prix will go ahead as the Russian Grand Prix. They won't. They won't wave the flag. They won't. They, can you hear me? I can they hear you. Yeah. I've lost. I've lost. I've lost something here. Oh, okay. Um, you, you won't have a, a hass flying on the end of a pole, and they won't play the most wonderful national anthem there is in the world. But you know, they will be. Um, they will be uh, uh, complying to the WADA rules. Now. <clears throat> be that as it may, is that in the spirit of the water rules? That's another question. But they're not doing anything wrong. And I, and I do think that half of this spiel about the, the, the house being a Russian blah de blah is all to do with Mazepin again. There is a, the other thing is, let's be honest here, we live in the West and the West doesn't like Russia. And there's an awful lot of people who are anti-Russian just by nature, not about this, that, or the other. Now, I'm not particularly fond of the Russians, I, I'm happy to say, but I think we should be fair to everybody. And that's not being fair. Okay, completely understand your point of view. I will let that lie. <laughs> for the sake of record and for the sake of people emailing me, I'll reiterate what we said a few shows back, which is uh, we believe the, the WADA rules are, are very clear on what can and can't go on equipment. So, I'm just stating for the record, it's my opinion that that is, that is clearly in the breach of, of current wider rules. You disagree, Joe. Quite happy to respect that. There you go, chat room. And, and so, so does WADA. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Chat room, you got your wish. That is what you were hoping for. He dropped that bomb. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I put on Twitter that you were coming on the show. You're a very popular man. Marcelo Rodriguez says, I really enjoy this show. I think he means Inside F1 when you come and jo join us. Joe is amazing. The way he talks about what is going on 
in the backstage. His knowledge of how things work in F1 is great and he has a great sense of humour. So you've at least got one fan in Mr. Rodriguez. Now, uh, Joe Deersley leads us into Calendar Corner when he says, does he expect the high vaccination rate in the UK and the worsening situation in Europe? Let's not get dragged down that, Joe. Um, Does he expect, because of the number of teams based in the UK, will that lead to more than one Silverstone again and perhaps some European cancellations? Can anywhere else in the UK hold a Grand Prix? It won't lead to any more races in the UK Um, because it's all very well for the UK to sit there and be happy at having um, vaccinated more people. But, you know, they they would be bonkers to allow everybody to to start coming in to the UK um, because... Some of the vaccines are a little bit dodgy, perhaps, and there are other variants they don't want coming in. It's the same vice versa. There's so many. What's what's interesting this year is that last year, although it was um, tougher in terms of um, we weren't used to the, the whole pandemic thing and it was a new experience, this year the complications involved are far more going from country to country I mean, the, the paper to do to go from one country to another country. You know, I don't, I don't believe. I may be wrong, and I'm looking forward to finding out. But I don't believe that there, there will be any British East, British Formula One journalists in Bahrain. I don't know how they can be there because British journalists are not allowed to travel. You're French uh, based, of course. Yeah. I am French based, and, mm. and Adam Cooperman is another one. Um, he's based in Belgium. We are allowed to travel, but the average British um, journalist doesn't have an exemption. Now, if you are employed by Formula One Group, and I think that's how Sky must be getting around it. And I don't know what Sky is doing, but I don't understand quite how they're going to have a full um, crew there. But I guess if you're listed on the on the F1, and I guess in testing, a lot of them did the F1 TV work, Um they they took on lots of sky people, yeah, um, to do that. But but I don't think because if you look at the exemptions, television, uh, film production, all this stuff is is not exempt anymore since since uh, mid January, I think it was. So I'm not expecting to see any journalists um, from Britain, except for well, I won't see them because they're in the paddock and I'm outside the paddock. Um, apart from from people. Um, at the weekend. So, I mean, there's all kinds of restrictions and all kinds of got to have an invitation, got to have a 72 hour thing to do this. You've got to have a test when you arrive. You've got to have quarantine when you get there. It's way more complicated than it was last year. And that's going to go on all year. I mean, we're going to Imola after that. Italy's got a red zone <coughs> going on around Imola. The whole place is shut down. France is shut down in places. But you've got to have the right bits of paper. So, you know, Formula One can swan around leaving and going back to England, but there are places it's going to have it's going to struggle getting into. So I don't know is the answer. They're confident that they can do it. Um, I'm less confident than they are. But I think at the end of the day, we'll drop one or two races. And again, you can't possibly say yours to um 
where where we will be able to go, where we won't be able to go, because we've got a third wave building right now, and we don't know where it's going to hit hardest. We just don't know. Britain, you've you know you've got things that are going down at the moment, which is good because it's been a disaster up to now. But it is, you know, you're in a you're, you're going in a different wave, and so we'll see. But mm-hmm. I imagine how we'll get all 23 races nah, that answers one of the same yeah that answers one of the questions from the chat room apologies to the listeners if it seems like sometimes me and joe are talking over each other we've got a little bit of a, an internet delay going in uh, going on and you're sort of cutting in and out i think you've you've finished i'm not meaning to talk over you i i mean it i have an ego but not that much not to talk over the great joe saywood but that was one of the questions was it how many races do we think we're going to get this year. And, and I think it's kind of anyone's guess. But what surprised me last year was they talked about an ambition for how many races they wanted to to do. Then they started the season without confirming it. Presumably, that's the situation we're in again this year, where we won't really know how many races are definitely going to happen until later. I think that's fair. But, you know, what they've done this year is, if you think about it, we're coming towards the end of March and we haven't had a race yet. Normally, we would have had two or or at least two by now. And then we've got another big gap between now and Imola. After Bahrain, there's a two-week gap to Imola. And then there's another week gap, I think. And then you you start getting into – and I think that was planned in as much as you push as much back in the season as possible, like Le Mans being pushed back. Everybody's pushing back because they recognize that uh, it's still going on. But I think as the year goes on, it'll still be going on because the vaccination programs are not. Um, well, I mean, that's another whole issue. Yeah, but, come on, we don't need that. <coughs> we, no, we no, we t- don't need that. But, but no, but the fact is that it, it does play. It, it does have an impact on Formula One, and it also has an impact on things like you know, would there be um, uh, would Formula One accept? vaccination-only passports, for example. You know, my view of that is that if you're vaccinated, um, why on earth can't you go in the paddock? You know my view on yeah. that, Joe. But, but, no, no, but, but, but having said that, why should Formula One have advantages over other things in the world? Why should Formula One be treated differently to little old ladies who are terrified of getting COVID? You know, it shouldn't be. So, you know, this is... People, the only people who should have been vaccinated up to now are people who are at most risk. And as in you know, different countries again, going different rates for different reasons, whatever. But, um, we have to respect the fact that Formula One isn't the, the be all and end all of uh, mankind, and ultimately, it doesn't matter if we go to war, Formula One stops tomorrow. And we should never forget that Formula One is just an entertainment. It's not something that is essential to mankind. We're just there to provide amusement. So um, keep things in perspective. I will do. In that case, why don't we focus a little bit on uh, a bit of on-track action, at least in the virtual world. We were shown the, the Saudi track and there was mixed reaction to it visually. It looks spectacular, but I cannot imagine for a second that that is going to provide good racing. Um, that's a very interesting point you're making because, you know, the minute they mention the word tilker, everyone's heart sinks. 
because Tilco has, has a long and proven record of being absolutely incapable of producing racetracks that, that without doing it by accident, um, that produce good racing. However, if you read the press release, you'll also see that the F1 uh, racing department was involved in the design there. Now, the things on that, one is that there are some very clever people using simulation yeah. technology. The other thing is they've obviously got to stick within the existing roadways. So you have limitations and you have potential advantages. So I had a look at the track and I'm not clever enough to know if they'll be overtaking. But I think there's a couple of places where it looks like it might be possible. Um, and for me, you know, if they if they want to have a racetrack in in uh, Saudi Arabia and they're willing to pay that much money, which they are massive amounts of money, um, as they have with every other racing series in the world, um, it would be remiss of Formula One not to accept it. Now, obviously, there are people going to say politics, bloody bloody blah, blah, you know. So we there's that argument. But there's another argument. Hang on, hang on, hang on, okay, hang on. There's okay, another okay. argument there. No, no, because human rights argument, we've been through the human rights argument a million times, and we cannot go racing anywhere in the world if you listen to the human rights groups, because everywhere, read it, there's 800 pages of it from Human Rights Watch, is what's wrong with every country in the world. That's so not without let's just merit. accept yes. that we have, to, <clears throat> we have to accept that we need to try and be above that. Now, more to the point... And particularly if you're going to go there, I think it's rather more worrying the fact that they're lobbing missiles at Saudi Arabia every other day from Yemen. And Saudi's not very good at shooting them down. So um, I'm much more worried about whether, I mean, if you have a Grand Prix in Jeddah, which is in range of the missiles that are coming, you've got to hope that the Saudis get better at, at, at at air defences than they have been. I and mean, when Formula E was in Riyadh, yeah. they had a missile come down in, in, it was shot down, admittedly, but they were firing at it. Mm-hmm. You think that the people in Yemen won't know there's a Grand Prix on and won't think, hey, this is a good idea? Of course they will. It's an obvious target. So I'm more worried about us having a, a <clears throat> you know, actually, to be quite honest, if it lands on the paddock, it won't bother me the way things are at the moment. You won't be letting only, only Pudsey Bear will get <laughs> I hit. I won't yeah. be there, but if it lands on the press room, I'll be in a right mess. So uh, the fact is that we need to think about, actually, it's a really worrying thing to be doing, to be agreeing to go to a place where actually there are, it's not just the potential of bombs or missiles, it's actually really happening. Yep. So that's more important I think. Uh, um, sure, sure, Joe. But I also, I also <coughs> feel it's important, and I hope that FIA are, are taking steps to to this degree. I also think it's important that the members of the F1 paddock, press, media, and teams that are part of the LGBT community are being made to feel at least safe and secure. At least are being listened to because it is a country where they would have every right to not feel safe and not feel open. And that's an issue, and I don't think we can ignore that just because you know, just because we don't want to. No, I don't think you can ignore anything. But at the end of the day, as I said before, you know, if you try to judge things on human rights issues, <clears throat> and 
I mean, seriously, download it as an 800-page report on all the faults in the world. In the it's Human Rights Watch produce it. And I went through it all. And there's nowhere. Even Monaco has human rights issues. Even Canada does. You know, these are places that you think, well, they're all right. Now, okay, they're different issues. But they're nonetheless all listed. And, you know, we go racing in China. We've been racing in China for 10 years. That's not right, is it? If, no. it, if you're allowed to go racing in China, why can't you go racing in Saudi? So this is why Formula One, as a sport, has to be a sport. Otherwise, you just got to stop. Because otherwise, you yeah. can't do it. So, so for the record, I actually agree with, with that point. <coughs> Unless there's an international sporting sanction, I certainly wasn't calling for, you know, that we should dictate on social media where we should and should not race. However... I do feel that we absolutely owe it to the people within our community, within our professional circles and the people who provide our entertainment who will be directly affected by that. We must, we have a duty to at least listen to their concerns. And we are going to address this on another show with the panel as well. It's very close to the hearts of some of our panel in particular. And I would like to get a better understanding. So if you as as, as an F1 fan are affected by some of the issues around going racing in Saudi, especially with the We Race as One campaign. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, spanners at mistapex.net. Please feel free to to get in touch. Tell me what you think, and we'll air some of those opinions. Sorry, Joe, didn't want to sidetrack you down there. I just, that's kind of been bubbling in my chest for a little while, and I wanted to to get it out. But but, but I think there's a point that, that, that some people try to make, and it's a difficult point to follow through on, but it is a point that needs to be made nonetheless, which is that Formula One can actually help to improve things because we go there, we 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 put the spotlight on the country, and the country feels the need to behave. Now, sometimes it may just be pretending to behave, but it is at least something. And it gives them the opportunity to say, no, actually, we can show the world that we're not such a bad place. You know, we go to Russia. We go to Russia. We have Putin standing on the podium. We go to China. Can we go to these places, really, if you have human rights rules? No, we can't. And so where do you draw the line? And when you try to answer that question, you can't answer that question. Because where do you draw the line? There is no way to draw the line. Because all these countries, be they America, be they Britain, rendition flights, there's all kinds of things you don't want to talk about that make people feel uncomfortable when it actually is turned on them. But that's something that has to be thought about which is why sport has to be sport and not politicised. Holy false equivalence, Batman. We're nearly at the end of the show. I've got... No, I don't, I, I don't think that's false equivalence okay. at all. I think that's, that's a reality that, you know, it's just a matter of the way you look at it. You know, if you're somebody uh, who, who believes that uh, killing people with drones is acceptable which most of the West apparently does, you know, we just have to get away from that and be sport. And if we try to, if we try to get involved in politics, we're all screwed. F1, F1 question for you then, Joe. 
I'm not defending anybody or anything. I'm just saying you've got to look at it in a big picture. And you can't just say, I know it's the, the fashionable thing to say, these are bad people, those are bad people. It's not like that. You have to be a bit more sensible. F1 question. Please. F1 question. <laughs> no, hey, look, look, some people, like a couple of people in the live chat were like, oh, this is boring. It's not about F1. It's a story in and around F1. Every now and then we're going to touch on it because we are people who absorb these news stories. We're talking about F1 all the time. It's on our minds. It would be dishonest, I think, if we if we never spoke about it. And me and Joe will often disagree on these things. <laughs> and I believe that reasonable people can disagree. So, Let's end on an F1 question. I suspect Mercedes either internally or externally feel under pressure in the preseason to not come out all guns blazing and ruin F1. Like if they came out and smashed everyone by a second, everyone would go, oh, no, here we go again. Is there any kind of pressure internal or external on Mercedes to sandbag a little bit? I wouldn't have thought so. Uh they're competitors. They're there to win. It's not their job to help Formula One. It's not their job to help their opposition. Their opposition needs to do a better job. So, and judging by what I'm hearing, uh, they're particularly worried about the situation they're in. Genuinely. Having said that, genuinely, yeah. Uh, but having said that, I think Max Verstappen's got it right, which is if you think the people who've won seven world championships and the car hasn't they're going to start losing all of a sudden, you are dreaming. So I think we have to expect the possibility that Mercedes are going to do it again. <laughs> we can also hope, and I think also there's a, there's a good degree of hope that at least Max will win races. I think there's a degree of hope that maybe – Although we have to see. I'm not 100% convinced Spanner's bad news, though it may be to you, <laughs> that Sergio um, will be um, the full package because that second Red Bull is, it, you know, it's an electric chair for careers. Um, and I think then you have to add to that the question of screw-ups and who's going to get it wrong. Will Mercedes have two screw-up races, so Toro Rosso and uh, Aston Martin will come in and win races. Uh, maybe, but I doubt it'll be the same uh, combinations that'll do it. Will McLaren power to the front and win races? Eh, not convinced by that. Will Alonso be exactly the same as he used to be? Eh, not convinced by that either. So the truth of the matter is we just have to wait and see. And you know, when Michael Schumacher came back to Mercedes after four years away or three years away, whatever it was, everyone said, Michael Schumacher's coming back. He's going to win everything. He's going to be fantastic. Mercedes will do blah, 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 blah. And he got blown away by, by Nico Rosberg. Rosberg. Yeah. So watch out, Fernando. And, and added to which, let's face, let's face it as well, Fernando has face-planted himself earlier in January, and he's wandering around with a bit of titanium stuck in his gob for the whole season. Can so, I just say, you know, I don't believe uh, that. Play... I don't believe the cycling story at all. I just don't believe it. Like no, something no. something happened. Well, it's, it's a true story. 
Nah. Well, you think somebody punched him? Yeah, I think he got in a fight. A man from hot, a man, a man from Honda went down to Lugano and punched him. No, I, I bet it was a, a it was a crime of passion. <laughs> uh, that's what I think happened. There was, it, I bet it was a ruckus of, of a romantic nature. That's what I'm. There, there were there were a number of eyewitnesses who reported lots of teeth lying around on the pavement. Ooh, okay. Um, and blood and blood everywhere. So I presume that it was probably what happened. And the police report said that there had been a collision between a bicycle and a car. So I think that's possibly true. The, the thing that, that I thought was really interesting was the fact that he went 200 miles to get his face fixed. And I wasn't sure about that. And then he didn't turn up at the launch, which I thought was really strange because it was a virtual launch. How can you not turn up at a virtual launch? It doesn't make any sense. Um, so I thought he was they were hiding something. And then he came, he came out and confessed that he got this new sort of uh, titanium implant thing going on, which is three or four years old now in terms of medical technology. Um, And he's obviously, the medical people are happy enough to let him test. So, um, but we'll see, you know, age does funny things to racing drivers. He may not be, he may not be as good as he used to be. Added to which, you know, when things go wrong for Alonso, the, the pram and the toys tend to separate from each other. He becomes a, a, a dark and evil character. It's started already, so hasn't it? I don't think. Well, if you look at it, his his career at McLaren. If you if you listen to enough stories, you'll hear stories about him at Toyota um, as well, which aren't awfully flattering. So, and him at McLaren twice, actually, not just the one time. So, um, we'll see. But that's the glory of Formula One. We have all these questions that need to be answers, answered. We have, um, we have no real idea. You know, will Vettel come good? Will Stroll beat Vettel? Wow, that would be something, wouldn't it? Um, will Ocon beat Alonso? Uh, I think there's a number of places we can say it's not going to happen. You know, like I think I think that Valtteri is probably still going to be struggling to beat Lewis. Um, yeah, but that's, that's, that's what I love about formula one, which is, we don't know until we get there and do it. So from a a fan position, I was in a relatively privileged position for the last few seasons and and generally supporting a a midfield driver. You, you can point to all the good things that happen and kind of dismiss the weekends where it doesn't quite work out because everyone's focus is, is at the front. And you can claim that that midfield driver is, he's being denied glory only by his position and his car. When that driver suddenly gets the Red Bull seat, I mean, I'm just like, I am so nervous because there's nine scenarios where probably gets rinsed by Verstappen. And there's one scenario where he comes out of it like respectably and like scores a few wins. And so I am genuinely nervous, thrilled and excited to see what Perez can do in the Red Bull. So am I. But if you ask me, is he going to beat Max Verstappen? My answer, I think, is no. I think that's fair. I think it's fair because Max, yeah. because because Max is special, <clears throat> and he's dealt with everybody else. I mean, you know, you can dress it up any which way you like. But Daniel Ricciardo ran away to Renault because he knew he knew that it was not a good plan to stay where he was. Joe, Australia's our third highest audience. Please, I don't don't care. That's the truth. Daniel (laughs) Ricciardo is a great racing driver, but he knew. He knew he had to get away. All right. And then Danny Kvyat, 
Pierre Gasly, Alex Albon, you just throw them on the bonfire one after another. And I, to be honest, that's a reflection for me more on the team than on the drivers. As Pierre has proved conclusively um, last year at Monza. Incidentally, if you read a thing by Pierre in the last few days on the internet, quite the most remarkable thing I've seen written by a racing driver for years. It's really good. Uh, it's on something called, I uh, can't remember, Players Something. Well, it's on Pierre Gasly's um, Twitter feed, for sure. Well, whatever, wherever it is, read it. If you get the opportunity, it is fantastic. And it's a, it's a great credit to Pierre. It's a great piece of uh, human writing and human emotions. And you know something? And this perhaps is something that we can all learn from, which is it's the human side of Formula One that's fascinating. It's the human condition. It is actually why Netflix is popular, because it it does humanize things. We should stop um, having PR people controlling what they say. We should let the drivers say what they think. We should have humans, not humanoid people talking and saying all the right things you know i'm all for gunter bleep steiner i'm all for all the swearing that goes on in netflix even if it's shocking for small children yes but the fact is the fact is that that's what it's like in formula one everybody says it everybody does it because it's tough and it's human and that's why people love it so let's have more humanoids and less pr people Thank you. Well said. And good night. Joe Sayward. If you liked Uncle Joe dropping into the shed, uh, don't worry, he'll be with us again in a month's time or so. We'll try and catch up with him between races. You can also have a private Zoom call limited to 50 people where you will ask a question if you would like to or just enjoy if you'd rather not. And you can buy a ticket for that by going to mrapexpodcast.com forward slash Joe. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes below i helped joe out with that because it's computers and that isn't it joe it's difficult well yeah i used to be at the uh i used to do the frontline stuff in the old days yeah i i changed my twitter feed the other day saying i fought in the digital revolution in the 80s which is all which is very true um but nowadays it's hard to keep up i have to admit but um back in the back in the old days of wiring stuff to make you know the first emails and tipex acoustic couplers Oh, forget that. White out no, on no, the no, typewriter. Mm-hmm. No, no, we, we, we were going out there. We were tearing phone systems apart and everything. We did, we did the hard work in the days of the, you know, before the internet really took off. Okay. okay. Joe, so in the end, I'll admit I'm not following completely. I was trying to plug like your live audience and make sure people found your blog by searching for Joe Blogs F1. This is the kind of, you know, end of show promo kind of bit. So I'm just going to go ahead and do that. Go and search for Joe Blogs F1, mistapexpodcast.com forward slash Joe. Someone is asking for the winner of... Comment of the week. Uh, Matt's not here, so I'm just going to award that to Nothkey, whose comment, where's comment of the week? You're the winner. Comment of the week. 
So feel free to add that to your bio. Follow Joe at Joe Sayward on Twitter. Follow me at Spanners Ready if you want. Uh, the show at Missed Apex F1. We've got a Facebook group. Please subscribe to this channel if you're watching us on YouTube and tell your friends that you enjoy hanging out in the live chat and then downloading Missed Apex podcast. We will be back next Sunday with a race review with Matt Trumpets, Bradley Philpot, and Alex Van Jean. But wherever we see you next, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Inside F1 with Joe and Spanners asking questions. We did it, Joe, and we only fell out two times, and you only yelled at 75 clouds. So that's, I think that's a win. Yeah, that was good. That was good. I, you know, <laughs> no, I love it. You just came out be... you, you came out with an axe and a hammer and you're like, I'm going to mess this up. I'm going to mess up F1 right here. <laughs> I don't suppose you listen to Matthew Carter. True. Did you listen to Matthew Carter on Friday? A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Jim. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.